Welcome to Get It Done Entrepreneurs, where we talk with founders of companies who bet on themselves in one. My name is Rich Lebrun, and I am the founder and CEO of Lebrun Advisory Group. You can find us at rlebrun.com. Our mission is to help our clients build wealth through business ownership. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Our special guest today is Glenn Poulos. Glenn is the co-founder and vice president and general manager of Gap Wireless Inc., a leading distributor for the mobile broadband wireless and test measurement equipment markets. Glenn is also an author of the award-winning book, Never Sit in the Lobby. I love the title. I'd love to learn more about that. We over, With over three decades of experience in sales, he has spent thousands of hours in the field or on the phone with customers and working with salespeople to help create several very successful companies. After entering the sales field in 1985 as a technical sales rep, Glenn founded his first company, MM Wave Technologies, Inc., in 1991, and simultaneously served as president of Aristu Electronics Limited for nine years. Using his extensive knowledge and experience in the industry, he lectures groups on sales strategy, consumerism, and what motivates people at a raw emotional level. Glenn lives in Toronto, Canada, excuse me, Toronto and Ontario, Canada, where he enjoys hiking, skiing, and playing pickleball. Pickleball is a new sport I just started, started picking up, so maybe you can give me some pointers before the program's over. With all that said, welcome, Glenn, to the program. Hey, Rich. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. and Thanks for taking time out of your busy day. Yeah. Well, Glenn, as we talked a little bit before, before the show, um, we love hearing our founders' stories. You know, everybody's got a different story. Yours is unique to you. Uh, so our listeners love to hear how you started your business. Uh, was this your, Maybe this was your first or second or third company. Feel free to tell us a little bit about, you know, how you kind of maybe grew into different uh, avenues of interest. But nonetheless, it's your story. So let's start there. And Glenn, just kind of walk us through it. All right. Well, thanks again, Rich. And um, so, the, yeah, the uh, it's kind of a story in a story uh, in the sense that, um, you know, I had a job in sales um, uh, from, you know, 1985 to 1991. I'd been, a, uh, I'd worked for the government and uh, as an electronic technician and my boss told me I was in the wrong field. So I ended up going out and getting a job in sales uh, and I worked for a company. And uh, after about five, six years, I approached the owners about, Hey, spinning the company off, like spinning a small piece of the business off. And I was going to add on to it. Um, and I approached them about this newfangled technology and that I would focus on that. They could focus on what they had been doing for years and years. And the guy said, Oh, you know what? That's never going to work. You can give me a plan, but I'll sit down. And I'll explain to you why those things won't work. You know, you're probably better just to stick to your knitting. And so instead of going home and writing the plan, I went home and wrote a resignation letter and I left it on his desk the next day and I quit. And uh, of course, I uh, neglected to tell my wife uh, of six days. Uh, we'd only been married less than a week. And I said, oh, by the way, honey, I'm, uh, I'm quitting my job. This was in October of 1991. That's and a good way uh, to test the marriage. There yeah, you go. for sure. And uh, 
lo and behold, I, uh, you know, I was onto the entrepreneurial journey and, um, you know, the, the newfangled technology that would never work and never amount to anything was the cell phone. Right. So of course that never amounted to anything. Right. Nope, and no. I mean, whoa, you know, who needs a cell phone? Right. <laughs> and, um, so built the business for, um, 15 years and then we sold it to a public company. And that's where this tar- story takes a bit of a dark turn. Uh, it was a nice uh, eight-figure exit uh, for myself and my two business partners. It was really um, you know, an exciting moment. Uh, we'd all become multimillionaires. It was all amazing. Uh, but because we were insiders, we couldn't really sell the shares. And what we didn't realize was that we had uh, you know, sort of fallen victim to um, a common uh, scheme in the public markets and it was kind of a slice and dice kind of a thing. And what ended up happening was they kind of sliced and diced our company. And then in the end, that the, uh, the public company ended up uh, losing value. And so what we traded our business for shares ended up, for long story short, becoming worthless. And, oh, no. and myself and my 100 employees were out of work. And uh, my life's work was uh, in a way down the drain. And I was... Um, I don't want to say broke, that's not the right word, but I didn't have a paycheck anymore. And I didn't have my millions of dollars because the shares weren't worth anything. And I was freaking out and saying to myself, oh my God, what am I going to do? And I said, well, I only ever applied for the one job. So it's probably easier just to start another company. So I, um, you know, I, uh, I said, look, okay, you know, let's, let's start by naming it. So I picked my name, GP, you know, Glenn, and I took the letters, you know, GP, I added a vowel and made gap and and then gap wireless was born within minutes of this uh this disaster and um uh i ultimately ran this company uh i had a partner uh in this company as well and uh 15 years later february of 2022 uh we did sell the business to uh us private equity uh again for a nice eight figure exit so i've had two eight figure exits this time all cash deal um, with a very, very reputable company that we we checked out very, very well. And uh, we were proud to sign on with them for a few years to help them, uh, you know, to transition the business into the bigger company and maybe to uh, help them acquire some other companies and uh, create a bigger entity. So I now actually went from being, you know, double-time entrepreneur, um, you know, two exits to now, I guess I'm a, just an employee, but um, I'm still <laughs> running, I'm still running the company uh, that I founded. And I'm also uh, the other companies that they bought so far, I'm running those as well for them now too. So that's kind of the quick version. Um, yeah. And uh, well, what, a, what a story, what a yeah. story, what a story within a story. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because this next question I'm going to ask you, I'm sure you, you know the exact answer going, if you look back and you know the way you you know ran your companies, is there anything you would do a little bit differently, knowing what you know today? And I'm sure you learned a big lesson in your first sale, right? Yeah, it was really, um, you know, the when you're selling your business, it's somewhat all about um, you know putting your best light, putting your company in the best light, you know, showing your earnings in the best way, making sure your inventory is up to date, and you know all your systems are uh, shiny and whatever. But really some, you know, uh, big fancy company, they pull up in nice cars or whatever, you might make the assumption that, hey, these are all these guys are all that. But really, you're, it's not just you selling your company to them, it's them selling themselves on buying you, right. And I mean, that was a huge lesson for me, right, that, um, you know, that they're buying me, right. I mean, yeah, I get it. I get something out of the deal. 
but I should have been spending twice as much time evaluating them as they were evaluating me. Yeah, well, that's um, <clears throat> that's a tough story to swallow, but congratulations on doing it again uh, <laughs> and walking yeah. away with money this time. Yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, very good. Well, that's, yeah. a, that's a true testament of your perseverance and obviously your skill yeah. set. Yeah. to build a company. So you you built two successful companies. And the fact that you sold it to the first company didn't pay you, that has nothing to do with the company you built. Right. Okay. So let's take let's take it from that perspective. Two successful companies. Um, other than the sales side of it, is there anything you would have done differently looking back? Or is there something you did in your first company, again, putting the sales apart, uh, aside, um, that you said, I'm going to do different in the second company? Yeah. Building a yeah. company. Yeah, the you know there were there were a lot of great things about the other company, um, and um, but you know I'm I'm really this like uh, although I love running the business and being the general manager, I really come from the sales department, right? So I don't really carry my bag out. And although I say never sit in the lobby, you know the title of my book, I don't spend that much time in lobbies waiting for customers and stuff. Uh, I have a sales teams and the like, but. Um, over the years uh, in my old company, you know, we'd grown, we'd grown to some strategies and techniques that weren't completely compatible with my ultimate strategy that I thought was best, but I wasn't the only partner and I wasn't the only guy, you know, it was grown to be a hundred people, right? I mean, and so there's a lot of personalities to deal with, but when, when the, when the, um, you know, the situation unfolded with the public company crashing and us losing our jobs or whatever, there were some tenants that I decided that in this company that I was going to put in place rigidly and I wouldn't let go of regardless of how big it was. And um, essentially, you know, it's, it's what's drove the core values of our business. And the prime, uh, prime tenant is, you know, committed to, uh, to service excellence and um, being an absolute, the unwritten descriptor of that core value is being a pleasure to do business with. And, um, you know, be, uh, you know, also being solutions driven, a passionate contribution, but results matter for everyone, the us, you know, and the customer, right? And we have to all win. And, and, um, and so these were the core tenets of how we built the business and they've served us really well. Um, a lot of our competitors have good companies and what have you, but the one thing they lack is they're not always a pleasure to do business with, right? They have their own, all oh, this is our policy and that's not policy. And, you know, and not to say we don't have our own policies or what have you, but over and over, we always hear, it's always a pleasure to do business with you guys because it's, it's built into our DNA. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so as we brought people on over the years, um, they would see that and they would follow the lead of the people that were training them. And, you know, it just becomes the way of our way of doing business. And that's, you know, and, uh, and also, you know, keeping an eye on the books closer than I might've done maybe in the last company and may, maybe with a closer eye to the finance and learning more, uh, you know, because I'm not somewhat of a, would you call a non-financial executive? Mm -hmm. And, um, but really, uh, the it's the all, being all about the customer that's really made the huge difference. Okay, so now you have two successful companies and sold for eight figures, which is no easy task in itself uh, to build a company to do that. Is there a common, uh, I know you knew you have new tenants, uh, values that you brought going forward, is there something else that's common that you would say is a secret sauce to how you can get into companies and build them 
to be successful? So a lot of times, yeah, a lot of times people come to me and they, cause they know I have a business and they want to have a business and they say, Oh, I have a business idea. And oftentimes they, they start with, um, you know, a product or a service or something like that. Right. Oh, I have this widget that I can source from Sweden or, you know, I can get this product cheap in Asia and, you know, I can make a lot of money selling it. And, um, what I often find that one of the biggest mistakes people make is like, that stuff's all easy. Those are easy problems to solve. The hard problem is finding a customer, right? And I always tell them that, look, don't, don't worry about any of the rest of it. Start by finding a customer that wants to buy something. And I could assure you that if you can find a customer that wants to buy something, then you'll find the supplier to sell you something to provide, you know, or you can build it or buy it or, you know, whatever methodology. And so, I always, I always caution people to, um, you know, not worry about what their website's going to look like and their social media. All those are things that are important, but they're not, nothing happens until something gets sold. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, you know, the, um, I guess I'm not saying it's, it's not a secret. I mean, we, what we applied was we were um, approaching uh, a key market segment for us. It was cell phone companies to help them build their networks and approaching them uh, with our technical excellence and looking for ways and products that they needed. And, um, you know, and I realized there's a, you know, there's a lot going on and wrapped up inside that, that uh, suggestion, like, Oh, how do I just walk into AT&T or Verizon or, or, you know, uh, some company in the U S or Canada and say, Hey, what are you buying? I mean, it doesn't work that way, but you know, perhaps you're uh you're in you know cybersecurity or something like that and it's like you want to bring this new product to market well start with the customer start visiting some customers and find out would any of them hire you right and mm-hmm. and that's um uh, you know one of the most important um things is establishing yourself that you actually have customers because the moment you have customers everything else will fall in line pr- provided you run a, uh, um, a professional business, right? You have to have your eye on the ball. But I mean, if they say, I want to buy baseball gloves and you know, you're going to be over at the baseball glove factory the next day saying, Hey, can I place an order for a thousand units? And I'm pretty sure they'll accept your business. Right. Yeah. Great philosophy. Yeah, yeah. definitely. You'll find the solution. If you get the customer, yeah. you work, work even harder that way. Yeah. Uh, great story. Great. Uh, great insight. Appreciate that. Um, I want to kind of segue into this, your book, because I think it's phenomenal. I have a feeling it's going to be something you tie to your sales program, but also I want to give you an opportunity. So uh, if there's a commercial break here, uh, feel free to talk about your company or customers, uh, you know, so our our listeners will get a sense if they are maybe a potential customer or they know somebody, but let's just take this a few minutes, uh, talk about your book, why you wrote it, the name of it, and you know, what was the sure. story behind it, and Great. then talk about your company specifically. Okay. Uh, so, all right. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. And I, you know, I'm so happy to be here. And I mean, the main reason I'm here, of course, is to, you know, sort of get my name out outside of my regular, my day-to-day business, but more in my new life of trying to build my uh, reputation as a thought leader in sales and building businesses, um, you know, trying to build my uh, my next job, right? Because this job will have a natural end in a few years. Um, they'll become a, probably a, a natural break point for me to leave the business and I don't own it anymore. And, um, I'd like to maybe do some public speaking. And so that's, that's what prompted me to finally write the book. 
So, I mean, you can, you can see all about the book on my website, which is my, uh, glenpoolis.com. And, um, the, uh, the, the title of the book is called never sit in the lobby. And it's, uh, you know, it's a book on sales, selling relationship building and, and, um, you know, rules and, and, uh, rules to follow when you're building a business. Right. And, uh, uh, so yeah, so the that's the name of the book i in a few minutes i can explain why i came up with the title and uh what it means yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah. absolutely love to hear i love the title by the way yeah and uh yeah the company i work for is gap wireless and i mean if you're building a wireless network in canada you've already heard of us i mean all the major customers are our major are our major customers and um you know right now we're very busy building the five helping our customers build their 5g network so we don't sell cell phones or anything like that we're on the network side so uh one of our sort of proud moments this year is the uh you know the the canadian version of the super bowl is the great cup you know the cfl canadian football league mm -hmm. and so this year you know it was held at mosaic stadium in saskatchewan and all of the in-building equipment in that stadium came from our company we sold the equipment the antennas all of the radio. So when you walked in uh, that stadium and you were uploading photos and getting a 500 megabit per second uh, data rate on your phone and your seat anywhere in the building, that was because of technology that we had presented to uh, one of our customers and they'd installed in Mosaic Stadium. So your experience and any stadiums in your cities that you attend would have a similar type systems that companies I wish I was selling all of them, but, uh, but I mean, mainly uh, we're mainly in Canada. Um, but uh, yeah, that's what we do at our, at our, uh, you know, in my day job. Right. And, do you sell uh, in the U S your products? So a little bit, but um, primarily it's the, uh, in the introduction, you talked about testing and measuring instruments. Mm -hmm. It's mainly our test equipment that engineers use to make electronic signal measurements and stuff where the, uh, a lot of the products we're selling to the carriers in Canada um, they sell direct from the manufacturer to the U S carriers because they're so big, right? I mean, the markets, uh, 10 to 20 times bigger. And so a lot of our, a lot of our suppliers from around the world have an office in the U S but not in Canada. And that's the, the value add we provide. We provide a sales force, a warehousing technical support for their products in Canada. In the U S they can afford to put staff. But in Canada, it, it doesn't make sense for one company. So we represent numerous companies from around the world and we provide that service for them, right? And that's our, um, you know, our business. It's not, not much different than a rep or a small dis a distributor in the US uh, where the company is not big enough to have their own warehouse or uh, uh, sales force. Okay, for, so some of our listeners are not tech savvy or cell phone savvy or network savvy. Define the customer. Is it a certain size company you're looking for? Is it the small entrepreneurs? It's, you know, in what industry? I mean, who is your customer if you were? So our customers are primarily wireless carriers or anyone building a wireless network, a mobile wireless network. Okay. And the contractors that help them uh, build it. So uh, we call those guys two bobs in a truck. And, um, and the carriers in Canada, they're companies like Telus Mobility. Bell Mobility, Rogers Wireless, uh, Freedom Mobile. In the U.S., there are companies like T-Mobile, Verizon, AT&T. Uh, but our primary market is in Canada, so we're calling those first ones Telus Bell, et cetera. 
And there's a lot of co uh, contractors around Canada and they have trucks and, and uh, technicians that climb towers and they, uh, you know, they go in stadiums and they install radios and make the cell phone network work. They put it together um, and we sell all the widgets up on the tower that hold things in place as well. Right, and perfect. so those are our all main those, customers. So all of us use our cell phones. We have you to thank. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All but right. I can't get you a deal on a cell phone. That's what everybody always <laughs> asks me. <laughs> Sorry, but I don't, I don't have any access to that department. And, but you could uh, put an antenna in my backyard. I, well, as a matter of fact, we do have kits for, you know, we don't, we don't sell them very often anymore, but we have home kits and car kits and things that, uh, you know, for some customers and what have you. So, um, there you go. yeah, so de yeah. definitely. Yeah. And, all right. Uh, just give, all right, give me a one minute. Never sure. sit in the lobby. What's the, what's the quick story behind the name of the book? So, so the title, um, you know, so it's basically made up of 57 rules and, uh, that I, that I've written down over the years and kept track of. Right. And so I was called them factors, but my editor said that's not a great name, factors or something like that. And uh, she came up with the title Never Sit in the Lobby, which is one of the rules. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the first rules, not the first rule, but one of the first rules. And it, it points to when a salesman shows up at a customer, oftentimes they'll sit in the lobby. They're waiting. For, you know, they tell the receptionist, I'm here to see Bob. And then they'll sit down. They'll pick out their cell phone. They'll start flipping through Instagram, you know, texting the wife, got to get milk and cheese, you know, you know, don't worry, honey, calling the girlfriend, whatever customer walks in, not a good look. My, mm -hmm. my rule is, you know, when you go to the lobby, show up just a few minutes before your appointment and announce yourself, call up whether there's an, a receptionist there and stand in the lobby, put your mm -hmm. phone away nothing and and uh you know don't be distracted with magazines on their table reading the plaques on the wall just be waiting attentive to the door the person's going to walk through and when they walk through be standing at attention ready to shake their hand and i mean i often point to the where i learned this was that i'm only five five right and these six foot four you know uh, executives would come out to talk to me and they'd be like four feet above me coming mm -hmm. in. Right. And it was a very daunting rise up to them. And then I wouldn't, wouldn't even get there. So uh, I need to start as high out as I can get at my height. Right. <laughs> and, um, and so I realized that it's not a good look to sit and sit in the lobby. So I stand in the lobby and one of the second rules, one of the rules that follows along with it is always have something in your hand and something in your mind. And, um, and so when the person presents themselves, I have something in my hand to present to them. And I have something in my mind to speak to them about. I'm not just there to like figure out what they're doing. I specifically have a reason to talk to them. And uh, I have specifically something in my hand to give to them. It might be a quote or a brochure uh, or an article. It might be a promo item. You know, we're giving away t-shirts or pens or coffee mugs that day. You know, always have something in my hand. And then when my salesmen say, hey, what do I say to the customer when I don't know what to talk to him about? I said, just show up with something in your hand and something in your mind. And, right. you know, that's all you that's that's all you need to do. And then, you know, and go from there. Right. And those are two of the 57 rules. Right. Very nice. I love yeah. I love I love these basic principles. I remember uh, one of the people that trained me in the sales side it says never be on time. Yeah, like be early or be, be, or, be early, yeah. but never yeah. be on time. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Early is some... early is on time. On time is late. All right. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so let's transition. 
Uh, Canada, United States doesn't make a difference. This world has been crazy through 2022, 2023. Right. We got a little bit of a hangover from 2022, still uncertainty in the market, labor issues, interest rate issues, world issues, supply chain issues across the board. Uh, you're leading a company. I'd like to know how you, is there any one of those categories that was your biggest hurdle to overcome and how did you do it? Um, do you, yes. see do you see it's a time to invest, to expand, to grow, or to retreat? And then the last second part of this question is more personal. What gets you up in the morning? How do you discipline yourself to go out there and lead a charge and, uh, and uh, you know, again, maybe build another successful company? Sure. Okay. Uh, so the challenges, I guess, the challenges that pop immediately to my mind over the last little while was the first one that came up was March 20th. 2020 um you know we got a notice from the government everyone's going home right and um but we on the same day we got letters from bell tellus and rogers saying you're not going anywhere you're an essential service you can't close but of course uh you know we all know what the pandemic was like in 2020 and uh i had to send pretty much everybody home not myself and the warehouse team had to stay here to help, uh, you know, pack and ship products and stuff. But we had to stay open for the carriers because there was the most vital communication was the most vital thing during the pandemic. And so we were open through the whole thing. And I worked I worked. I never took any vacation. I was throughout the entire pandemic. Um, I was here every day. And one staff member in the front office was with me. And they're like, why do you always need one staff member? And I said, well, that's because, you know, I'm 60 years old. What happens if I fall and I can't get up, right? Like, who's who's going to hear me hit the ground, right? I don't have one of those buttons to push, you know, I've fallen and I can't get up. And, um, and so I'd have myself and one staff member. So, you know, the biggest challenge was really the salesman going from face-to-face uh, uh, -face selling we're selling like high ticket items and um, it wasn't done on the phone and it wasn't done on the internet and it wasn't done, you know, like uh, software as a service or anything like that. Our products are things that customers need to trial, verify they work, install on towers, test them. And it's all done face to face. So all of a sudden I'm sending my whole team across Canada home, you know, and I'm like, okay, produce your numbers, but don't leave your house. Right. Mm -hmm. And um and so, of course, everyone downloaded Zoom, GoToMeeting, uh, you know, Teams, uh, whatever, whatever one of those programs, you know, uh, to start engaging with customers and, uh, you know, face to face virtually. Right. And I think for the you know, I remember the, the sentiment, the feeling from them that was like they thought they died and went to heaven. It's like, well, you know, shirt, you know, dress shirt from the top up, pajamas on the bottom. I get to, you know, get up, have my coffee at home, the, my brew that I love and make my sales calls on Zoom and no commute time in Toronto, you know, worst traffic in North America. And, um, you know, they thought they died and went to heaven. But, you know, within a few weeks, customers were sick of, uh, I don't want any more lunch and learns on Zoom. Like, uh, you know, they were Zoomed out. And for two years, you know, they've had to figure out how to make a living selling over Zoom, right? And um, the uh so that was one of the problems yeah absolutely yeah and this um the the uh, second problem of course was the international problem with supply chain logistics uh and costs associated right so containers we were paying for uh 20 foot containers we don't have you know we're we're big but we're not huge we're not walmart right um we were paying i think uh, four thousand uh, dollars for a 20 foot container 
maybe $6,000 for a 40 foot container, which have jumped to $35,000 in uh, the height of the pandemic. And I mean, like we'd already negotiated prices on things and sometimes the goods in the container weren't worth $35,000. And, uh, you know, if it was uh, certain types of products and, uh, you know, and in some cases, so we'd have to figure out how to get the expensive stuff in the containers. And it's just a huge logistical nightmare, right? Uh, As of, uh, we checked again, we check it uh, weekly and um, the, um, uh, the 20 foot containers down to $6,000. So it's only $2,000 away from where it was in March, 2020. So, that's kind of a good thing. Um, you know, it's probably too long for a podcast to explain what we did for two years with the salesman. But basically, you know, uh, some of our some of our teams where the where the uh, you know, the business was, was contracted because uh, we sell equipment into labs and stuff and all the labs were closed. So we didn't sell any lab equipment during that time. But the network building was crazy. So those teams were really busy finding, securing products and, um, you know, uh, delivery dates and things like that. So that part of the team, um, you know, was uh, was very busy working at home. And uh, then they had to make the transition in um, 2022 back to work, right? Customers slowly opened their doors to, to salespeople and, you know, manufacturer presentations and stuff in the last, over the last year. And of course, so while they were at home, I went into uh, where they all sit in different places in the building, you know, and I installed nails in their chair pointing up so that when they came to the office, right, they sit down, it's like, oh, this isn't very comfortable and they would have to go back into the field, right? So the joke around here is the the uh, the salesmen are the only one where the chairs are, have the nails pointing upwards, right? And, um, you know, so, so they're not spending any more time because imagine spending two years at home on Zoom and then yeah. snap the boss wants you out making calls every day it's not easy right yeah and so we've had to transition yeah we've had to help support them in the best way possible to you know re-engage with customers and get back in front of them and um, those are the two biggest challenges we. so you're an essential business is the mindset as the owner founder of the company is you know when you face tough time because you obviously face a couple different types of tough times but the one i'm referring to is more uncontrolled the, the economic the worldly events the geopolitical events do you see those as opportunity to grow, expand? Uh, you are you cautious when you do that? Are you bullish? Uh, you say, yeah, you know, hey, this is a good time. There's there's you know people are like maybe, maybe we can gobble up some smaller companies. You know, so. so we we did we did go um, we did approach more vendors to um, so what we did do you know to be transparent is we didn't really expand the sales team in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, but we did approach a lot of vendors to say, look, we can, you know, we can really get you access to these Canadian markets. And many of many of them, not, you know, a, a good number, you know, uh, did sign on with us to be their partner in Canada. And so uh, we we dug in there. And and um, but for the last uh, while since since about March of 2022, uh, when it really was sort of officially opened again, where businesses were kind of letting you back in. Um, you know, we've been aggressively hiring salespeople, uh, to expand our reach into customers, but we've had a more tempered, uh, or muted, um, effort on hiring inside people and trying to get along with what we have as best as possible. So, you know, all in on salespeople, a little bit slower on the uptake for support staff behind them. And, um, 
the uh, we continue with that philosophy despite uh, significant pressures in the in the telecom space right now. There is a we'll call it a muted demand by the North American uh, carriers right now. It's a bit of a lull. I'm not sure why, but there just is. And I mean, it's not like they're finished building the 5G network, so it won't last forever. But you know, um, it's uh, you know. If, uh, you know, if you're, if you're eating the box of cereal and you realize, you know, it's getting lower and lower and mom's not going to shop till Friday and it's Monday, your size of your bowl gets a little smaller every day. <laughs> right. And, uh, and so we're, um, we're investing in salespeople to extend our reach and get to more customers. Uh, but we're really on a cautious, um, austerity, you know, an expense management program right now in order to weather this down a slight downturn, but we're in the spring and summer they're, the carriers are warning us that it will turn and ramp quite quickly again. And so we're not so we're preparing for that as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love, I mean, you know, I listen to all, you know, all of my guests on the podcast. So everybody needs to have perseverance has to be a characteristic, ad- adaptability, right? Yeah. Uh, you have, you have headwinds that right now you got a little trough in business. Not exactly. You said, I don't know exactly yeah. sure why, but yet you're trying to hire for you know, to gain market share. Um, no one known has the ultimate crystal ball. So right. I think being yeah. a, being and, and for your reader, uh, your listeners, I mean, they might say, well, why are you hiring salesmen if the business is down? It's because if I wait till the business comes back, all my competitors, salesmen will have gotten that business because I, I won't have time to react, right? I have to hire them, train them, motivate them, get them out there meeting the customers so that when the, when the taps open up again, they're already up well up and running. And so yeah. it takes a little bit of, uh, you know, fortitude of will, but you know, this is when you have to make the investment in the salespeople is during these kinds of times. Right. And um, yeah, it's easy to well, think well, you can fire a salesman when he's not right, selling, so- but it's not always the right thing to do. Yeah. All right. So this this will be broadcast. So you may, you don't have to answer this question if you don't want to. But yeah, you've done this twice. Yeah. Uh, you gonna do it again? Do another next another company? You got something up your sleeve? Well, you, I probably you, won't do. I probably won't do this again. And uh, yeah, I just I turned sixty, right? And um, I uh, I probably. Uh, like I really enjoy like these podcasts and things like that and promoting the book, but I, I don't get a lot of time to do it. Obviously I have a job, right. And uh, it's very busy and <laughs> I have a lot of demands and now I have a lot of travel. We bought We have bought another company in Quebec and um, the, um, and so I'm enjoying these few years that I'm going to have with them, but I probably won't be doing that again because it's, you know, I mean, I'm, what do I, what do I need at 63 or 64 I mean, why, right? What's the, what's the why in it? Right. And, uh, and so as my brother says, it's either hell yeah or no. And so I ain't hell yeah. So it's probably going to be no, but I would love to get some speaking engagements maybe. And, uh, you know, maybe spend a little bit more time, um, you know, telling the story and uh, sharing some of the things yeah. I've learned and, work, and working on your pickleball game. There yeah. You go. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, there definitely. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> love pickleball. Yeah. Well, Glenn, thank you on yeah. behalf of all our listeners. It's been a wonderful time spending to get to know you. Uh, how can they get a hold of you should they want to uh, okay. so, look at uh, your services? Yeah, the best thing is my website, glennpoulos.com or on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn. And if uh, on my website, there's all the different contact methods. And if you can't reach out to me, I'll definitely get back to you. And um, 
yeah, feel free to reach out if you want to uh, discuss, collaborate, or discuss anything. It's fine. I'm happy to talk to you about that. Well, very good. Well, we'll put all that information in the podcast notes. This will be broadcast on all podcast platforms in about two to three weeks, as well as on our YouTube channel. Uh, Glenn, again, thank you for your time uh, and your wisdom. I love the perseverance, and it's definitely the character of a leader. So uh, thank you again. I wish you the best. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. You bet. Rich LeBron here. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Get It Done Entrepreneurs. If you are a successful business owner who would like to be on this program, please visit us at rlebrun.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form and we will reach out to you. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag GetItDoneEntrepreneurs. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, rlebrun.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time.